The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Hallelujah. We're talking about out of Africa, so I'm reflecting back on some of the things that I learned when I went out to Uganda, but we're really looking at, at the moment about spiritual warfare and how we are coping with that, how we're learning what we're learning about that, understanding that we as Christians are in the army of God. Whether we are wearing a uniform or not, we're in the army of God. Now, I was, well, we know that authority is important, okay? Because any army that's not disciplined and following their commanding officer is ramshackle and rubbish. I mean, if you were the commander and you had a whole lot of troops beneath you, you'd be wanting them to obey you. Am I right? Of course. That's what we want. That's what we expect. Okay. So I was talking with Valeri about his time in the Russian army. He was signed up to do military service for a period of time, sent out to a nice warm place like Siberia, um, which he was. He told me these are the three rules that he was taught. So we need to listen to these and just hear me out. Rule number one, your commander is always right. Okay? Your commander is always right. Rule number two, always obey your commander's orders. Rule number three, if at any time you think your commander is not right, refer to rule number one. <laughs> now, you see exactly, this is it. We, we laugh. But there is truth. Jesus is looking for us to obey him. And you know what? That's even true with that last part. Hang on, Jesus. I don't know whether you know what you're talking about. Refer back to rule number one. Your commander is always right. So although we might laugh about that, and we were having a laugh with Valeria about that, and I'm sure if we were signed up in the armed forces now, we would be struggling with those things. But it just helps us to get our heads in the right place of where we are at, really, in terms of our obedience, whether we're coming under authority, whether we're believing in what Jesus is saying. All these are things that are important. You know, Jesus, it says, only did the things that he saw his father doing. You even understand from Scripture that for Jesus, he was a man who was under the authority of God. When he was here upon the earth, he was doing the things that God wanted him to do. Of course he had other thoughts. Of course he could have thought about different things. Yes, he did at times, was thinking about, but he's only going to do the things that his commanding officer is saying. So we need to remember those rules, and hopefully they will help us a little bit as we go through this week. We're talking this morning again about 
the battle that we're in. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It is a battle against powers and principalities. It's a battle that is taking place in the spiritual realm. This realm that is around us, we're so used to the physical realm, but there is a spiritual realm. And praise God, we're not going into battle unarmed. We have weapons. We touched on this last week, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, where it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I was reading this through, praying about this this week, and I had that picture. You know, often we've seen uh, on the news, unfortunately, when there's various military things going on, those precision-guided missiles that come down and blow up a bunker. And that's the type of thing where you see a missile being guided down to the point, and it comes against a stronghold, a bunker, a concrete place, and blasts it apart. It hits right on target. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. We're not talking about gunpowder or whatever the explosives are. They have divine power to do the same thing, to demolish strongholds, to demolish them, remove them completely. What are we using these weapons for? I'm quoting from the Amplified Version here. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. There are things that are coming in your minds that come against the knowledge of God, what God says to be true. The questioning, the doubting, those things that come into your mind, we are using our weapons against such things. What are our weapons? Well, with these are some of the things we looked at briefly last week. I'm just going to repeat them. Exercising our authority, understanding that we have been seated with Christ far above every power, every principality, every name that can be named. We are found in him and we are seated in those places and we have the name of Jesus which is above every name. We have that authority, we have that name, and we need to use that name. We need to understand our, and exercise our authority. We need to be using our words. We need to be making these declarations that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We're using that authority. We're declaring that authority in the name of Jesus. We looked at the fact of repentance and how important repentance is. We walk in ways that are not right. Everything that is not right before God is a sin before God. God wants us to repent of our sins, to walk away from those things, and to walk in righteousness before him. So repentance is very much a key weapon. It doesn't seem like a weapon at times, but it's actually removing any authority that the enemy may be holding against us. We're removing his words the accuser. We're taking ground from under him. And of course, we have the word of God, which later on we shall see is the sword of the Spirit. So declaring what God has said is vital for us. And we have prayer, prayer being our reliance. It's a sign of our reliance upon God. It's a sign of the fact that we are under our commanding officer and we want to understand what he says. Then this is where we got to last week. We wanted to look at the armor because there's in Ephesians 6, Paul specifically talks about armor. And armor is that sense of protection, and yet there's also armor that we can use like a sword that is also 
for our offense for us to go into attack with. So armor is useful to protect us, but there's also a sense in which it has an offensive um, whatever about it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ephesians 6. Let me just read the verse and get on with it. Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, we, we can stop, we can almost preach upon this little by little, be strong in the Lord. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? We need to be anchored in him. We need to be confident in him and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We need to put this armor on so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. What is this armor? Let's read on verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The armor of God. Now, a number of people here would be quite familiar with the armor of God. You've read about it before, you've heard it preached on, I'm sure. Notice that we're told to put on the whole armor, the full armor of God. There's a sense here in which you say, like, you know, you might have a favorite piece. Oh, the belt of truth. I've got such a shiny belt that does such a... It's okay to have the belt of truth on. You need to put the belt of truth on, but don't forget the sword of the Spirit. There's a sense here in which, like, don't go unprepared. This is all of it or none of it in one sense. You're either going to be fully equipped or you're not going to be equipped. So we're being told, first of all, that we need to make sure that you are putting on the full armor, all of these pieces. They are important. The belt of truth. Make sure that you are connected to truth. Now, in these days, this is a very interesting statement to make because instantly they go, well, what is truth? Jesus was talking to Pilate, and that is the answer that Jesus got back from Pilate. For what is truth? What, what am I supposed to believe? What am I supposed to anchor myself on? We are anchoring ourselves on what God has revealed about himself to us, specifically through his word. And this becomes unchanging through the generations. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you understand that? That's fairly unchanging. He is remaining steadfast. And that's one thing, something that we can hold on to because it is remaining steadfast. We want to put this belt of truth, this steadfastness in what truth is. We want to establish ourselves in truth. Now, Jesus himself, when praying, and this is recorded in John 17, he says, praying for us, if you like. He's praying to God and he's saying, sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them holy with your word. Your word is truth. Jesus is declaring that God's word is truth. 
And therefore, the reading of this word, and I don't need to go into that because you've heard me many times say it, that the reading of the Bible is so important. Why is it important? Because it literally is having a washing, a cleaning effect upon our lives. We get impure thoughts, not just impure thoughts, but we get all sorts of stuff that's being thrown at us. Some is true, some is false. I was reading only this morning on Sky News on my phone about the war in, in Ukraine. And it's actually because it's the anniversary, you're getting various anniversary stories. There was a story of some Sky News reporters that actually went out. They were looking for stories, trying to find information. And they suddenly got shot at. And in fact, they got nearly killed. Now, praise God, they managed to miraculous, uh, miraculously escape and they came home. And the story that I was reading about was one of these reporters was at a family party where a small, you know, a nephew or something came up to him and says to him, I've been reading all sorts of articles. Did that really happen? Because some of the articles I've read would appear that that didn't happen. And the article itself was all about disinformation. But of course, the guy was saying, like, no, no, this did happen. Actually, and he pulls up his shirt, here's the scar I got, and he told the story about how he had been there, of what had happened to him, and he tried to emphasize to his nephew or whoever it was, this is real, and this is what really happened. But of course, we live in an age where there is so much disinformation. We are living in an age when there is so much disinformation. What can we really believe in? This is why we get hold of this and we say, God, I need to know who you are. I need to know what you do. I need to know how you act. I need to know what you're like. I need to know you. We need to understand his. Jesus is saying, your word, God, is truth. We need to be anchored in truth. We need to put this belt on. You know, you put a belt on usually to hold your trousers up, you know. That's it. It's one of the things that okay, it's to keep us secure. Why do we need our trousers held up? Because we don't want to be walking down the street with suddenly our trousers around our ankles, our jeans around our ankles. Why? Because we just feel embarrassed, stupid. Now, I'm not going to ask if this has happened to anybody here because we don't really need to embarrass you like that. But you know the situation. None of us want to be embarrassed. So we don't want to be embarrassed in going through life. Let's make sure we've got the belt of truth on so that we're walking in God's truth. Are you applying yourself to God's truth, or are you just letting the moment slip by? Are you being bombarded by the world through the media sources that you are looking at, or are you giving yourself time to what God is saying? We're in a battle, folks. We're in a battle, and the enemy is active against us. There's the belt of truth. There's the breastplate of righteousness. And of course, I should say that when we're looking at this passage that Paul is talking about. He's looking at the Roman soldier and the, the armor that a Ro Roman soldier would, would wear. So that's where he's getting these pieces off. And we know from films and stuff that the Roman soldiers had this, this plate in front of them, this breastplate of metal to protect them. And of course, that's what this is talking about. We need to have a breastplate. We need to have a plate across our chest. This is similar these days to the flat jacket that they wear. You need to have one of those on to protect you, to protect your heart, to protect your vital organs. What does it mean? It means that you've been called to live righteously. You've been called to live God's way. Live a holy life. Scripture itself says without holiness, no one is going to see God. There's many people in church are saying like, I want to see God. They're crying out, I need to see God. God is what I need. Yeah, but you need to live righteously if that's to happen. 
There's no point in having this dualistic type of, uh, of life where we have a foot in both camps. I love the world and I want to be attached to that, but I love Jesus and I want to make sure I'm all right for heaven. Surrendering is saying, I have to give one up that I'm going to take hold of the other. We need to put the belt of truth on. We need to have this breastplate of living righteously. Are you living righteously or are you walking in a known sin? As in that you know it's sin and God knows it's sin. If you are, thank God for his mercy and grace. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But as I said last week, repentance is never doing that thing again. That's real repentance. Because repentance is about walking away. The word for repentance means that you're taking a complete about turn. I was going in this direction. Right, now I've repented. I'm now going in a new direction. Breastplate of righteousness. There needs to be the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That sounds a bit strange. We need to have our feet made ready. What he's saying is, A, we need the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that salvation is only here through Jesus Christ. There is only one way that we can be saved. By believing in the name of Jesus and what he has accomplished for us. That's the gospel. We need to live by that gospel, the power of that gospel. We need to receive that gospel. And we may need always to be ready to share that gospel with others. Peter tells us that we need to live a life that we are ready, always ready to give account for the hope that lies within us. Is the gospel locked up in us or is it ready to come out of us? Look, on March the 12th, when we're going out knocking on the doors, I, I know it seems like, <gasps> I don't know whether I can do that. It's an opportunity for us to start saying, listen, I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk about Jesus. It isn't nearly so scary as sometimes you think it might be. In fact, people are waiting to hear because how do people hear unless somebody goes and tells them? In this generation, there's many people now who don't know anything about the gospel and we want to be ready to share with them. Now, not only have we got the belt of truth, we've got this breastplate of righteousness, our feet are fitted with the readiness to share the gospel of peace, but we also have a shield of faith. And the important thing about the shield is, with it, we can use it to stop every arrow, flaming arrow, that the enemy would uh, send at us. So this is a vital piece of this armor that we need to get hold of. And you know what? Faith, because that's what it is, the shield of faith. What is faith? Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith, therefore, is saying God is real and he is, loves me and he's here to help me. Well, where is he? You see, faith is saying I'm taking hold of that, those words. I'm making them my own. I'm taking hold of them. Now, the spiritual battle that we are in is that there are forces of darkness that are arrayed against you, being able to declare that, to take hold of it, or even as you're seeking to take hold of it, they're coming against you, and they're continuing to battle are you sure, and they're giving, sowing doubts to you. But we need to stand with faith, and faith is the shield that has a certainty about it. But it's not just like, oh, we just declare it and everything happens. This is warfare. This isn't a walk in the park, folks. This is actually having to get down and get dirty and get stuck in. We have to stand against. The shield of faith is vital for us. 
Without faith, it says in Hebrews, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek after him. Everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Listen, don't worry if you're sitting here thinking like, what do I believe? How is it? I know those thoughts because it's what the enemy does to all of us. He wants to disconnect us from our divine connection. And there are many thoughts that can come against us. This is why we're learning about warfare, that when this starts to happen, we can take our stand against it and remain secure and build ourselves up in our faith. So don't think you're the only one, okay? You are amongst a people who are also going through these things. Because as we've put our faith in Jesus, the enemy doesn't like it and he wants to come against us. The shield of faith moving on the helmet of salvation. This is being secure in what God has done for us. In the fact that he has rescued us out of darkness and brought us into his wonderful light. The helmet of salvation. It's like we're putting this on. Salvation has come to me. I'm covering myself with it, as it were. That's what we're doing. And you know, the scripture says that. He says, Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you and have appointed you into my kingdom to be with me, to walk with me. I've chosen you. So we go around and say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. No, he has come and chosen us. So we want to be confident in the fact that salvation has come to us. God has done a wonderful work in rescuing us. Then in Ephesians, it goes on to talk about the sword of the Spirit. We have a weapon that we can use, and the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now, we've spoken about this before, but it's a wonderful weapon. Because as we use it, as we quote it, as we think about it, as we speak out the Word of God, it's like we're wielding this sword that can have tremendous effect against the camp of the enemy. We want to make sure that we read our Bibles so that its contents are slowly written on our hearts because then we find that we're able to quote it when times of difficulty comes. And then the passage in Ephesians goes on finally to say, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I don't know, not necessarily everybody can pray in tongues, but those of you who do, I want to say to you, do you use that gift? Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. It's a gift that's been given to you. We have weapons, we have armor, we need to make sure that we're using them. Now, we come to a practical example, because one of the ways the enemy wants to fight against us is to use doubt. When I say that we're fighting against the spirit of doubt, I'm talking about the voice you hear that says, you say you believe in God, but are you sure? Is he even real? And maybe that's not the thought you have right now, but certainly those are thoughts that do come against us at some time. They come against all Christians. Don't forget, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. We have to fight against doubt. So when fighting against the spirit of doubt, we need to understand that doubt stands against us. It resists us. It attacks us. It annoys us. It shakes us. It wears us down. It worries us. It oppresses us. We need to learn to stand up against it. 
What can we do? We need to anchor ourselves in God. Doubt presses in upon our minds. We need to set ourselves on being anchored in God so that we're strong in Him. What we're doing, in one sense, is that we're getting hold of that belt of truth. We're getting hold of it and we're saying, this is true. That's what I need to be. We need to remind ourselves. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the big picture of things. The evidence that surround us. The arguments even for the existence of God himself. We need to fight against doubt. We need to anchor ourselves in God. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.